Welcome to another episode of Holistic by Nature. I'm your host, Brittany Cannon, a plant-based registered dietitian and holistic health coach. You will walk away from this episode knowing simple ways to trust your baby is growing well, how to trust your baby's nutrient needs are being met, how to trust your baby is not eating too much or too little, ways to start solids that minimizes the risk of food allergies, and overall feel confident knowing you are reducing the chance of your baby choking. Remember back when you were pregnant and you had all these blissful images of the perfect birth story, your baby sleeping peacefully for hours, and a seamless breastfeeding experience? Well, I hope at least some of that came true for you. But the reality is that most mamas find the transition to motherhood not quite as picture-perfect as they were imagining. Knowledge can be powerful here. Knowing what you can expect to happen helps the brain to accept and process the experience. It's the same thing for starting solids. It's a whole new ballgame, and a little preparation and advanced knowledge can help you to relax and enjoy this time. Just imagine yourself when your baby turns one years old, looking back on this journey and remembering it as a time of joy, not one filled with fear, frustration, and worry that you weren't doing it right. I want you to look back on this time feeling confident that you fed your baby in a way that was best for you and aligned with your values. I want you to feel confident about starting your baby on solids. Today's episode will break down the top four fears you might have about your baby's feeding journey. After listening to this episode, I hope you can drop the worry and take on the adventure of feeding your little one while also believing that it will be fun. Let's dive in. Fear number one, I'm afraid my baby will choke. I had to start off this episode addressing one of the most common fears when it comes to feeding babies, especially for parents who want to use a baby-led weaning approach. And while research continues to show that baby-led weaning has no greater risk of choking than spoon feeding, the possibility of your baby choking is still anxiety-provoking for parents and caregivers who aren't used to seeing babies feed themselves. And just a little fun fact, as long as you take the necessary safety precautions, baby-led weaning may even make choking less likely. Before I continue on, I have to remind you of the importance of your baby being able to sit upright without slumping or leaning back before they start handling solid food. So even though they may need some support around their hips to reach forward easily, they should at least be able to hold their head up and their body. This ensures your baby can reach the food comfortably and help prevent them from choking. To be honest, the fears around choking come from seeing babies gagging on food or coughing and sputtering while eating, and parents are assuming they are choking. In reality, those gagging and coughing reflexes are there to protect your baby from choking. AKA, this is completely normal and a good thing. Next, I'm going to get into what you can do about this fear besides just recognizing that it's there. As a baby led weaning educator and dietitian, I can't stress enough 
the importance of working through this fear, regardless of the feeding approach you choose. Because what happens is you could end up unintentionally holding your baby back from advancing in textures. And when this happens, your baby is likely not getting the benefits of other foods. Plus, now they might struggle with adjusting to more challenging textures. Believe me, it happens, but like I said, there's things you can do about it before getting to that point. So, what can you do about it? First and foremost, educate yourself and anyone who will be in the care of your baby. That includes daycare centers. If you're listening to this episode, you're already off to a great start. (laughs) I find it best if you can understand the difference between the gag reflex, the cough reflex, and choking, you can ease your worries dramatically. As I mentioned before, the gag reflex is normal, necessary, healthy, and protective for your baby. And how wonderful that all babies are born with it, so there's nothing special you need to do to quote-unquote activate it per se. Now let me be clear, this is something you should expect to happen regularly, especially in the beginning of starting solids. Gagging is simply a reaction babies have that pushes food forward when the amount is too big to be swallowed. You will find that it's not the gagging that bothers babies when they're feeding themselves. They usually carry on eating as if nothing even happened. It's us, the parents and caregivers, who tend to create a fearful reaction and thus frightening the baby because we're assuming they're choking. Gagging very rarely means your baby is in danger of choking. It's simply an important part of learning how to manage food safely. You'll see that after your baby has triggered this reflex a few times by either putting too much food in their mouth or pushing it too far back, they learn not to do it. Do note that this gag reflex is at the front of the tongue for six-month-old babies which is why offering larger pieces of food makes more sense and is the safest option when starting. As your baby ages, that gag reflex moves further and further back, which is why the recommendations change to start offering smaller pieces of food in addition to other developmental signs like changing from a palmer grasp to their pincer grasp when your baby can pick up objects with the thumb and index finger versus raking with the whole palm and hand. Another reason letting your baby experience this reflex without fear is beneficial is because babies who haven't had the chance to explore food from the beginning may miss the opportunity to use this reflex to help them learn how to eat safely. There is evidence that babies who have been spoon-fed have more problems with gagging when they start to handle food, usually around about eight months, than those who have been allowed to experiment much earlier. So remember, this gag reflex is essentially a built-in safety mechanism, and it can only work effectively when your baby is sitting upright, and if any food has gone too far back in their mouth, it's pushed forward, not backward, by the reflex. Let's briefly talk about the cough reflex, which you might not know about. I think it's especially important to mention since this is a huge difference between your baby gagging and choking. Now, I know you're familiar with coughing in general, but you probably don't think twice about what's actually happening in the body when we're coughing. So essentially, the airway is still open, but whatever is in the way will come up by that quick blast of air from the lungs. 
first being pushed by the tongue, like when a baby is gagging. If your baby's airway is partially blocked or irritated, this super efficient cough reflex will kick in automatically, meaning hands off mama and don't panic. Although it may sound alarming, it's usually best not to disturb them while this reflex is happening because it's just a sign that your baby is already dealing with the problem. Now, let's get into choking and what makes it so different from gagging and coughing. If your baby is choking, this is more serious, but also very rare, because it means their airway is partially or fully blocked, and no air can get past that obstruction, which could be because of food or any other object. This means you need to take immediate action using first aid procedures to help your baby eject the food from their airway. There is a free app by the Red Cross that demos what to do if you're not CPR certified yet. A baby who is truly choking is usually silent and unable to cough with a blank stare or pained look. They may even turn blue. Whereas gagging causes your baby to have watery eyes, a red face, their tongue is actively pushing forward, it's usually noisy from coughing, burping, crying, etc., and they may even vomit, all very opposite of choking. Remember these four factors that can make choking more likely. One, offering food that may be a choking risk, like anything that is hard, round, or sticky. Please check with your local authority or feeding expert on recommended foods to avoid and up to what age. Two, someone else putting food or drinks into the baby's mouth for them. Three, a leaning back position. Four, the baby being distracted while eating. For example, games, TV, praising, or being rushed. And don't forget, just as important as understanding the difference between choking and gagging, be sure to only offer your baby food that is safe and age-appropriate. This means food should be soft and easily manipulated in their mouth. The best way to know if a food is soft enough is by doing the quote-unquote squish test. <laughs> so you should be able to mash the food between your thumb and index finger by applying light pressure, which is mimicking babies using their gums. If it squishes, then the food is likely soft enough. Overall, just imagine, as adults, we know what to expect with most foods. We can anticipate how it will feel and behave inside our mouths based on our previous experiences. But your baby doesn't have any experience to refer to. This is literally being built up with each exposure and food that you introduce to them. Putting the lead in baby lead weaning means they can explore a piece of food with their hands, allowing them to start to make predictions about how best to deal with each mouthful. And most importantly, how to judge which pieces may be too big, chewy, or hard for them to eat. Fear number two, I'm afraid my baby isn't getting enough of the quote unquote right nutrients. If this is one of your fears, let me start off by clearing up the myth that it's difficult to meet your baby's nutritional needs, because it's not. I also want to clarify if you've heard that breast milk changes around six months and is no longer quote unquote enough for a baby, 
that is false. And it's definitely not the reason for starting solids around six months. In reality, breast milk, no matter the age of your baby, has almost exactly the same nutritional value as it's always had, whether they're six months or two years old. The only thing that changes is your baby's need for certain nutrients. Breast milk is not to blame and continues to be the most nutritionally balanced food for babies and children. During your baby's time in the womb, they accumulate stores of key nutrients like iron and zinc that stay with them when they're born. Starting around six months, the balance between those nutrient stores and their milk feedings shifts, so your baby will gradually need more from food rather than breast milk or formula alone. So their needs are slowly increasing while their nutrient stores are decreasing. This is another reason starting solids around six months is important so they can develop the proper skills needed to eat different foods, all in preparation for when they really do start to rely on other foods as their main source of nutrition. But again, up until this point, breast milk and formula remain your baby's main source of nutrition while starting solids. And even when they're about 12 months, your baby will still rely on breast milk or formula for about half of their calories. Doesn't just happen cold turkey. (laughs) It's kind of perfect timing the way we start this at six months and then by about eight months as their, you know, their stores have gone down, they should be better at practicing eating solids and actually getting food into their mouth. It's just like, I don't know, so perfect God's design. (laughs) One thing I want to highlight is how cord clamping at birth affects a baby's nutrient stores. Since about the 1960s in many parts of the world, it has become routine to clamp and cut the umbilical cord immediately after a baby is born. Yet research has shown that clamping the cord too early can affect the baby's health negatively. When the cord is left unclamped, it continues to pulsate for up to five minutes intentionally delivering nutrient-rich blood to the baby from the placenta. Like many things God designed with the human body, this is not a meaningless occurrence. By cutting the cord before it's done pulsating, you are starting your baby's life outside of the womb with a less than optimal supply of some key nutrients, especially iron. Leaving the cord to finish pulsating before being clamped gives your baby plenty of iron to pull from for at least the first six months and possibly longer. Of course, it's not an exact science. So what can you do about it? My top recommendations to easily let go of this fear regarding necessary nutrients is to, one, continue breastfeeding or bottle feeding your baby on demand, knowing that this offers the bulk of their nutritional needs. Two, Start your solid food journey by focusing on high iron foods to meet that growing need after six months. And three, do your best to offer a high iron food at every eating opportunity. I promise you, it all adds up. (laughs) Okay, fear number three. I'm afraid my baby isn't eating enough or is eating too much. Another common worry for parents revolves around wondering if your baby or child is eating enough. If you're just about ready to start solids with your baby, then you know from medical appointments 
that most doctors' biggest concerns are based around your baby's weight and growth. So I completely understand being on high alert. But this is only one indicator of their progress. And unlike weight, eating requires a little more of a hands-off, trust-the-process type of approach. (laughs) I have to acknowledge here that personal feelings tend to be what gets in the way of trusting the process. Like, if you've ever felt rejected when your child turns down food you prepared for them, it can feel like a little bit of a sting. You know, food is one of those things that we have a connection to and it feels nurturing and loving to provide meals for kids and or even just having family meals. But these emotions combined with unrealistic expectations of how much food babies should eat means that many babies and older children are regularly persuaded to eat more than they need. This means kids simply learn to overeat from an early age, and then as adults, they may struggle with knowing when to stop eating when they've had enough. So, what can you do about it? A baby-led weaning approach serves as a way to interject this cycle. Because convincing or forcing babies to eat foods they don't want is super easy to do if they're spoon-fed, since the parent is in control. Yet, when babies are allowed to feed themselves, they naturally manage their own food intake. It's intuitive. They simply stop eating when they've had enough, meaning you can trust that they've eaten as much as they need and nothing more. You might be shocked to hear, but in the beginning, do not expect your baby to actually ingest very much food. They might not even be all that interested in meals yet, and that's okay. In the beginning, one or two tablespoons of an iron-rich food is honestly plenty. On the other hand, your baby might be super excited about starting solid foods, in which case they might show signs of wanting more. Remember that babies go through frequent growth spurts, so you'll notice when they want to nurse or bottle feed more often or when they seem to be more like a quote-unquote bottomless pit, which is also okay. It's all part of the process. Being able to adjust to your baby's needs as they fluctuate is a huge part of the two-way relationship involved in this feeding journey. The cool thing is, your baby will communicate with you, either verbally or non-verbally, that they're done with mealtime and that they like more servings. Remember, the goal is for your baby to lead the way. Some common signs that your baby is still hungry might look like opening their hands and or mouth, reaching for a baby utensil, pointing to a nearby food, using words or gestures. I can literally picture my niece right now. She does all different kinds of things when she wants something. And it's just so cute because, you know, I'm not around her all the time. But even as her aunt, I can see these are signs that she's still hungry. Common signs that your baby is full might look like closing their mouth or puckering their lips, turning their head away and or shaking their head, slowing the pace of eating, and pushing away food or everyone's favorite, throwing food. So yes, these are signs that your baby might be full. You know, if you're getting frustrated, maybe you just need to listen to the signs that they're giving you. They're done with mealtime. Overall, if your baby is meeting their developmental milestones, Continuing milk feeds as their primary source of nutrition and maintaining healthy poops and wet diapers, you likely don't need to worry. Just like you, 
Food intake will vary meal to meal, day to day, and from child to child. Trust the process. Fear number four. I'm afraid my baby will have food allergies. With schools changing their policies, I know it might seem like you're always hearing about how the rates of allergies are increasing. But rest assured, rates have remained relatively consistent. However, I completely empathize with parents of kids with allergies. It can definitely make feeding kids more stressful, no doubt about that. But know that for most babies, there's no need to delay offering foods that are known for triggering an allergic reaction. The older recommendations used to say delay introduction of these foods until one, two, or even four years old. Now, we know through current evidence that this doesn't really reduce the chances of your kid developing allergies to these foods. Fun fact, though, breastfeeding from birth and while introducing new foods does seem to offer some protection. So cool. This doesn't take away from the real risk of a food allergy, which is especially high for babies with either a parent or sibling with an allergy. The top foods, in case you're unaware, with higher rates of allergies tend to be eggs, peanuts, and dairy products. In addition to fish, shellfish, wheat, soy, tree nuts, sesame, and sulfites. So, what can you do about it? now show that introducing babies to these foods early and often is best for allergy prevention. Early and often means to offer the allergens around six months and often meaning continue offering them regularly at mealtime. Be sure to work your way through allergen containing foods one at a time once solids are started. One of the pros to baby led weaning is that it allows babies to try out different foods separately because you're doing it in a whole food approach rather than blended together like jars of baby food. This lets you know which food was the culprit if a reaction happens. Note that an allergic reaction generally occurs with the second to third exposure. So look for signs of an allergic reaction with the repeated exposures. For those who may be unfamiliar or just want a refresher, signs of an allergic reaction usually develop within 15 minutes of ingesting that food and can include red dots around the mouth, rash, upset stomach, diarrhea, vomiting, respiratory problems, swelling around the lips, eyes, tongue, and throat, and asphyxia, which is the inability to breathe due to the throat swelling. I recommend offering allergens to your baby when you plan on them being awake for a few hours so you can monitor them. And if an allergic reaction does develop, don't hesitate to contact their healthcare provider. But if a baby has difficulty breathing, please call 911. Don't wait. Generally speaking, if you offer one food from a food group, the baby isn't necessarily allergic to all foods from that group. Also, not all reactions to food are caused by an allergy. Some are from a temporary food intolerance, and your baby might be able to tolerate those foods by the age of three. So even if your baby does react badly to a food, they may not need to avoid it forever. So don't lose hope, mama. My last gentle reminder for this episode is that your feeding journey will not be a linear process. 
You and your baby will go through ups and downs, but it's all part of their normal development and creation of their relationship with food and family meals. I hope this helps you drop the worry, ease your mind that you're doing a great job, and that you can get through this with lots of joy and fun. If you're friends on Instagram, feel free to send me a DM of your progress after listening to this episode and giving this new fearless method a try. Thank you ultimately for letting me be a part of your feeding journey, and I look forward to hearing and seeing your successes as a family. If you're new to starting solids or getting ready to start and are looking for something to help prepare you, check out the free resource I created called Questions to Answer Before Starting Baby Led Weaning. It's based on a common feedback from moms who wished they had known this information before starting solids versus during. So I hope you feel better prepared after going through these questions. And just know if you are ready to take that next step with getting started, I'm your girl. <laughs> you can DM me on Instagram or email me at info at your Right, so that wraps up today's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening and joining me on another episode of Holistic by Nature. If you enjoyed this topic, be sure to not only subscribe to the podcast to get notified about new episodes, but also leave a review and five stars, please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow along on Instagram at Holistic by Nature Podcast for inspiration and podcast updates. New episodes are released every week. Wishing you nothing but peace, love, and blessings. You're listening to Holistic by Nature.